name is Owen. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the Christ Central family. If you're joining us online, welcome as well. Uh, so February is our annual missions month at our, at our church, and this year, the focus will be on church planting. So the theme of this year's missions month is uh, advancing the gospel by multiplying churches. And as you all know by now, we are praying for and working toward planting a new Christ Central Church in the city of Tysons. Lord willing, uh, the new church will be launched sometime this fall. Um, I, and I'm praying that God will use this missions month uh, uh, this year to not only educate our church about the importance of church planting or how we might be praying for the new church in Tysons, but more specifically, I'm praying that God would convict and compel and move hearts to join the church planting team, to be co-laborers with uh, Pastor Peter and Jane to help bring the gospel and a gospel community to Tysons. And so all the guest preachers that will join us this month are all involved with church planting in one way or another. They're all either planting a church or have planted a church or will plant a church or they teach church planting at seminary. And they will all touch on the topic of church planting in their messages. And the big goal for this month is for us as a church to be encouraged as we prayerfully plan and work toward planting our first daughter church in Tyson's, Lord willing. Also, this month, we will have grace stories uh, from people who, who have come to faith in Christ because of a church plant. And today, we will hear a grace story from Dominic Chow. Uh, Dominic is a recent graduate of the University of Maryland, College Park. He grew up attending church on and off, but last year, he came to faith in Christ as he participated in the life and, and ministry of Roseburg Presbyterian Church, which is a church plant led by Pastor Moses Lee, who will be our guest preacher today. Day. So today we get to hear the story of how God used Pastor Moses and Roseburg Presbyterian Church to bring Dominic into the kingdom so that our hearts might be encouraged, so that we might give all glory to God. So Dominic, let me invite you to come and share your great story with us. Can we welcome him? Hey everyone. Uh, driving down here, I was pretty nervous, um, but Pastor Moses said it, it only goes uphill from here, so... I got that going, but he's right. Um, <clears throat> so, growing up in the church, uh, Jesus loves me. That was one of the messages that five-year-old me heard over and over again. Um, I sang to the slides without a single idea of what um, the meaning was behind the words. Um, and at the time, church was just a place that I went to every Sunday with my parents. Um, and I just followed whatever the children's ministry leaders told me to do. Um, and that was about it. Uh, over time, however, I felt like um, I had a Christian mode that would only be turned on for church and on Sundays. Uh, and going to church eventually felt like a chore uh, and a waste of time. Um, and this weekly cycle of going just because I had to go make me, made me feel very isolated, um, which further discouraged me from going. Um, and because I was going less, I couldn't develop relationships with people in the church. Um, and so by high school, I stopped going altogether. Um, it wasn't until, until college that I began to reflect more uh, on the meaning of faith, but I still couldn't get myself to go back to church um, or any campus ministries because um, school is always my priority. Um, I always had this exam this week or this project due. Um, I always kept myself very busy. Um, 
But I do remember there was a friend who asked me if I was Christian, uh, and I couldn't answer the question. Um, but after I graduated, um, a friend of mine invited me out to Rosebrook, and I'll never forget that first day that I went. Um, everyone was very warming and welcome, um, and by the end of service, that was honestly the happiest I'd been going to church in a very, very long time. Um, and even though I was nervous uh, going in, I couldn't help but feel like God was calling me back, uh, even after so long of not going to church. Um, I met so many people that I couldn't remember everyone's name. Um, it was very heartwarming to feel like I belonged. Um, but that wasn't the only thing that drew me back. Um, I found that our focus on modern issues and society was very intriguing and very applicable to um, my everyday life. And I always felt inadequately knowledgeable in those areas, um, especially from a Christian standpoint. Um, but going to a church where we discuss and talk about these topics uh, helped me grow as a Christian. Um, our small group, uh, Missional Communities, um, also helped to reinforce what we learned outside of church on Sundays. Um, it also gave me a safe space where we can talk about um, those topics or ask any questions that I have. Um, and after a couple months of visiting, I had a one-on-one -on -one with Pastor Moses. Um, and among other things, he shared uh, the parable of the prodigal son with me. Um, and that hit very close to home. Um, I heard that story as a kid um, growing up in the church. Um, but at this point, now I could see it reflected in my own life. Um, and even though I hadn't been in church for a long time, uh, I knew that the Father was calling me back and welcoming, back, welcoming me back with open arms. Um, me, someone who deliberately walked away uh, and was a lost sheep for so long, uh, someone who had made so many mistakes um, and will continue to make many more mistakes. Um, but I learned that there is hope through Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself to take the punishment for all our sins. And because of God the Father's love for us, uh, he sends his only son so that we can be with him and have a relationship with him. And I'll never be perfect, but I ha do have the confidence of having God in my life, um, knowing that he will be in my life from celebrating joy to facing my heavy burdens. Um, and I'm excited to celebrate all of this with my church family uh, next Sunday during my baptism. Um, now, after all these years, I'm still singing Jesus Loves Me. But now when I do it, I know that Indeed, the greatest thing that could ever be is that Jesus loves me. Thank you. Thank you, Dominic, for sharing your great story with us at church. Um, that right there is the reason why we want to plant a church, so that those kinds of grace stories may abound. Uh, men, young men and women like Dominic, maybe who grew up in the church but stopped attending church, or maybe they never went to church, 
but finding a community of faith where they can hear the gospel, experience the love of Christ, and profess faith and get baptized and to be, and to be discipled. That's just an awesome thing. And we're praying that those kinds of grace stories would abound and multiply because a new church, a new gospel church is being planted in Tyson's. Well, Pastor Moses uh, Lee, he is our guest speaker for today. He is the church planting pastor of Rosebrook uh, Presbyterian Church in North Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, They launched last September, it's only been about six months, with the goal of reaching a new generation of de-churched and unchurched skeptics in the Montgomery Montgomery County area. Now, Pastor Moses is not just a a brilliant pastor. pastor, but he's also a brilliant writer. He's also a dear friend, and we have the privilege of working together on many denominational projects to help encourage kind of the Korean-American pastors and ruling elders in our denomination. It's just been a joy to work with Moses. I learned so much from him. So Christ Central, can we give him a warm Christ Central welcome as he comes to preach for us? Pastor Moses. Good morning, Christ Central. Uh, it's a great honor to be back to share God's word with you today. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but the last time I spoke here was at the beginning of the pandemic. And at that time, we had no idea when the uh, vaccines would become available. And we didn't really know about the nature of the COVID-19 virus. And uh, just social anxiety and upheaval were like just was at its peak. And it, it really goes without saying that Rosewick almost didn't make it. Uh, We thought about closing many times. Uh, During those initial months, recruitment for our church plant um, like nearly stalled, and we had to postpone our launch by a whole year. And giving, I remember, just had slowed down exponentially. It was just a scary time for us. Uh, But we survived. And I'm happy to report that God continues to show up in unexpected and miraculous ways. And most importantly, people who have left the church are, um, have been recommitting their lives to Christ. And we're about to see our fifth adult baptism within our first six months of planting, or of launching, rather. And we even started praying about uh, possibly hiring an assistant pastor later this year. And so God's been so good to us, and so much of that blessing has come through your prayers and support. I truly mean that. There are so many individuals here that I could go off just listing name after name of your individual actions, your committee work, your your support for us, your prayers. We would not have survived without your help and partnership. So thank you, Christ Central, for just helping us spread the kingdom of God in Montgomery County, Maryland. I I truly am thankful to be here. Uh, In that regard, let us receive God's word today with humble hearts as we consider why we plant churches. I have three points for today's message. The first is um, we plant churches because we love Jesus. The second, we plant churches because suffering is a gift. And third, we plant churches to share the gift of salvation. Now before we read today's passage, uh, let me give you some context for Revelation chapter 7 as the book of Revelation uh, can be a little tricky, as most of us probably already know. The seventh chapter of Revelation sits as a transition between the opening of the sixth seal, which uh, depicts the natural disasters that accompany Christ's second coming, and the seventh seal, which depicts the silence 
um, before the storm, like a silent time of worship and reflection before God sends judgment over the earth. And so this transition serves as a reminder and assurance that God knows his children and, and will protect them during the calamities depicted in chapter 6. And yet, there's no guarantee that God will prevent his children from experiencing physical harm. In fact, it's clear from the rest of Revelation that believers suffer persecution and even death for following Christ. Rather, the only certainty that we have is that we'll be protected from spiritual harm. And chapter 7 then describes two related pictures. The first is the Israelite heritage of the New Testament people of God in verse 1 through 8. And then the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham and his family that the world will be blessed through their family in verses 9 through 17. And this, my brothers and sisters, is where we come in. And so my first point, we plant churches because we love Jesus. Starting from verse 9. And after this, I, John the Apostle, looked and behold, um, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so this passage begins with the declaration that the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, is victorious from conquering sin and death on the cross. Salvation has been accomplished and Jesus reigns over the world from his throne as all of heaven worships him. And that's where everything starts, right? Our salvation and God's mission to save the world, it starts with worshiping Jesus as a victorious king. Verse 11. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Now this um, might come as a surprise to some of us, but... Um, I'm not sure if, if you guys know this, but the uh, scriptures actually tell us very little about what heaven is like and what we'll be doing there. We actually know very little about what heaven is like and what we'll be doing there. In fact, based on passages like Revelation 7, uh, verse 10 through 12, Isaiah chapter 6, and Ezekiel 1, the only thing that we know for certain about heaven is that People who love Jesus will be worshiping him. That is the only thing we know for certain about heaven. Everything else that you've imagined are, are kind of are like stretches of interpretation or just things that people have introduced into the mythology of heaven. Now, let's try this out. Let's practice what heaven is like this very moment. Right? And for some of you lifelong Presbyterians, this might be the most charismatic thing you've ever done in a church service, but please bear with me on this, all right? So this section of the room, recite, you can uh, recite verse 10, and this side of the room will respond in verse 12, where verse 10 it says, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, and then this side will respond, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, not yet, not yet. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, that part, all right? So let's try this together. 
this side of the room first. One, two, three. Salvation. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I can tell that the pastors who sat through the first service had practiced because it was louder here. So let's try this again because uh, let's balance that out a little bit with more just uh, enthusiasm and passion once more. Salvation. Amen. Excellent. And now let me ask everyone a question. If there is the possibility that the only thing we'll be doing in heaven is worshiping Jesus like this for an eternity, would you want to be there? Would you want to be there? Amen to you. <laughs> Does your love for Jesus compel you to long for this never-ending worship experience? You know, do we look forward to coming to church on Sundays, even waking up early to make sure we don't miss a moment of worshiping Jesus? I mean, if we know and believe that Jesus is already victorious over sin and death, shouldn't we want to worship with our church family? You know, what if heaven isn't about obtaining all the sensual pleasures that we missed out on on earth and, or, or entering into a state of nothingness, but solely about being united with our beloved Lord Jesus in worship? Would we, would we still want to be there? And if this is all we know for certain about heaven, then logically we can conclude that the local church gathering on Sundays is the closest, closest expression of heaven on earth. And I don't mean this in some naive, utopic sense where, like, the church is somewhere we, we, we can go to escape from all the, the, the sinful realities of this world. What I mean is that the local church is the only place on earth where what we'll be doing in heaven is already happening right now on this planet. Where we'll be worshiping Jesus with other saints. Friends, this is ultimately why we plant churches because we love Jesus and we want to create more public spaces where we can worship him. Now consider this finding from Lifeway Research. In 2019, approximately 3,000 Protestant churches were started in the U.S., but 4,500 Protestant churches closed. And this was a year before the pandemic hit. Everyone is expecting 2020 and 2021 to have been much worse. And so in addition to the massive numbers of young people that have left the church and are continuing to leave in recent years, there's a massive net loss of spaces where what we'll be doing in heaven is already happening on earth. Friends, if loving and worshiping Jesus is our first and foremost priority in our lives, the decline of the church in America should cause us to lament and compel us to correct this trend through church plants. We need more church plants. 
Second point, we plant churches because suffering is a gift. Starting from verse 13, then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? And I said to him, sir, you know, like, you know the answer. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And when, the, and when verse 14 says, the great tribulation, it's not talking about the last six years of earth before Jesus comes back where Satan supposedly rules the earth. We're not talking about some fundamentalist end of days conspiracy where Biden and Putin are agents of the devil. The great tribulation is a moniker for the tremendous suffering everyday Christians experience for following Christ. But what does scripture actually teach us about suffering for Christians? Well, Jesus says that suffering is a blessing in Matthew 5, 11 through 12. He says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The apostles say suffering for the sake of Christ is a gift. In Philippians 1.29, it says, For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. That word translated, uh, that word granted uh, comes from the Greek word charis. And so it could actually be translated as gifted. For it has been gifted to you that for the sake of Christ that you may not only believe, but also suffer for his sake. We're told that the apostles even rejoiced that they were counted worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus in Acts 5, verse 40 through 41. In the Bible, the call to follow Christ is a call to abandon the safety, security, and comfort, the comfort of this world in order to embrace the cross. This isn't the picture of some extraordinary super faith, or this isn't the life of, an, of a radical Christian. Folks, this is the normal means of sanctification for the normal Christian's life. But I get it. All right, Pastor Moses, but we're not in the Middle East or in North Korea. I, I understand that systemic persecution of Christians isn't a reality in the West. But that doesn't mean we can't choose to willingly make sacrifices and suffer in our desire to follow Christ and spread the kingdom of God where we are today, where you are now. You don't need to sell everything and go overseas to become missionaries. You can do that now, where you are living right now. We're called to make sacrifices and suffer for Christ and be missionaries wherever we are. Every single one of us has this calling. And that's why we shouldn't be surprised when, when God sends suffering in our lives and we ask him to make us more holy. Or when we ask God to make us more free from our sins. It shouldn't surprise us when he sends suffering. Because it's the normal means of sanctification. Perhaps our allergic reaction to suffering 
to making sacrifices and living generously is why we're so spiritually dry and why we feel like we can't connect with God on Sunday mornings. Don't blame the church. Don't blame the praise team. First, we have to look at our own hearts. What is our perspective and our theology of suffering and the role that it plays in our lives? In fact, if sanctification is what's supposed to be occurring, right? Uh, every moment in, in a believer's life, it should concern us when we aren't suffering. Therefore, suffering is the normal means for sanctification for those who have committed their lives to Jesus in this present age. Those who know and believe in Christ's victory worship in the midst of suffering as a result of engaging in a lifestyle of missions. Friends, this is why we plant churches. Third point, we, we plant churches to share the gift of salvation. Starting from verse 15, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, the sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So now we're given this picture of our ultimate home, in, the, in, the, in the, our final home, in the new heavens and new earth. We're told that Jesus will be in our midst physically, and there will be no more suffering, praise God. No more tears, no more hunger. And who knows, maybe even no more mortgages or taxes. And as, you know, Pastor Owen likes to say, hmm, must be nice. <laughs> but, but when we talk about living for an eternity, when we put our faith in Christ, do we realize what this means? I mean, this means that we will not, uh, we will live not just for a million years or, or even a billion years. We will live forever like and in those trillions and trillions and trillions of years that we will live in the new heavens and new earth these next 50 60 70 years that we have left on earth will be the only opportunity that we'll ever have to love and care for non-christians think about that these next 60, 70, 80 years or so that we have left on earth will be the only opportunity that we'll ever have to love and care for non-Christians. We will never get this opportunity again to share the gospel with non-Christians because by the time we die and enter into our final home, everyone that we know around us will already believe in Jesus. And when we look back on our 80 years or so on earth, and the successes and the glories that we amassed for ourselves during that time, how will we want to remember our lives? That we won fantasy football in 2022? Or that we bought our dream home during the pandemic? Or do we want to look back with gratitude for having played a small part in the salvation of our neighbors. Consider this, hands down, church planting is the most effective means for reaching non-Christians. 
According to Pastor Tim Keller, he said, uh, dozens of denominational studies have confirmed that the average new age, a new church gains most of its new members, 60 to 80%, from the ranks of people who are not attending any worshiping body. While churches over 10 to 15 years of age gain 80 to 90% of new members by transfer from other congregation. This means that the average new congregation will bring six to eight times more new people into the life of the body of Christ than an older congregation of the same size. Folks, that's a game changer. Again, according to LifeWay research, on average, 42% of those worshiping at churches launched between 20, uh, 2008 and 2014 previously never attended church or hadn't in many years. And if we repeat this study every decade, it won't change that much. What, what does all this mean? It means that the best placed to the best place to invest your time, money, and energy for returns that will last into eternity are church plants. Again, the best place to invest your time, money, and energy for returns that will last into eternity are church plants. We plant churches to share the gift of salvation with our non-Christian neighbors. Friends, trillions and trillions and trillions of years from now, not a single one of us will look back on these 80 years or so on earth. And, and, and none of us will tell ourselves, man, I'm so happy that I studied so hard I got, my, I got into my dream school and got my dream job and made a ton of money. Those were the days. I promise you, none of us will say that. None of us will care about those things. I, I don't know if we're going to have regrets when we die and receive resurrected, glorified bodies. I don't know if regrets is a thing in that state of perfection and glory. But if we do have one regret, I promise you it will be this. I wish I shared the gospel with more of my non-Christian friends and family. I wish I had the courage to have invited more people to share in this forever home that I have in Christ. I wish I had stopped focusing so much on the American dream and instead gave up more of my time and energy to share the gospel with my non-Christian friends and family. I wish I wasn't so selfish. How could I have, how could I, how did I think that keeping this to myself was okay? We don't know when God will take away the people in our lives whom, who we know need to hear the gospel. But even if it means being persecuted and suffering for Jesus' name's sake, isn't he worth it? 
I mean, considering the infinite punishment that he bore for us on the cross and consider the unimaginable sense of loneliness and abandonment he experienced for us on the cross. Consider his, that his suffering was infinitely greater than the worst that we could ever experience on earth. And consider the joy that we have in, in his victory over sin and death. Consider the unimaginable peace that we will have in the new heavens and new earth where we will no longer suffer. What what greater friend, what greater comforter, what greater savior do we have? Isn't Jesus worth giving up more of ourselves for his kingdom? Friends, we plant churches because Jesus is worth it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we begin um, this month-long series on church planting and why we church plant, God, I pray that you may just grant us humble hearts and, and tender hearts to receive the challenging messages that are coming our way, to truly consider how can we make these next 80 years on earth worth it. How can we live our lives with eternity in perspective so that we won't have regrets? Lord, help us to see first and foremost once more that we plant churches because you are worth it. Because you are a a gracious God and a wonderful king to have died for our sins. You have so much awaiting for us in the new heavens and new earth. How can we keep this to ourselves? Lord, we pray that you may just raise a small army of church planters from this church. Lord, so many believers and churches and pastors such as myself have been already blessed by everything that you've done through Christ Central over the years. May you continue to write such a glorious story through this local body of believers and that the next chapter of their story may include a great increase in number of church planters coming out of here. Help us, Lord, to keep eternity in mind in all that we do. And may we embrace suffering and in some cases ask for it so that we can continue to grow in our love and appreciation of your love for us. So we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you all rise?